Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Now a second scripture lesson from the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 3, as well as the second half of verse 11 to 32. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a different distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands." So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, but you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead 
and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you are reading with me, then you notice that I skipped from verse 3 to verse 11. I kind of provided you with the abridged version of Luke chapter 15. Chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke tells three parables right in a row. I skipped over the first two, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, to get to the parable of the lost son. The last one, the parable of the lost son, is also known as the parable of the prodigal son and his brother. That's how it's titled in your pew Bible. While I'll mostly focus on the parable of the prodigal and his brother this morning, I hope you'll notice that Jesus tells two parables to set up this third one. The first two builds up to the last. The parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin make it easy to understand why the father would be so happy to get his son back. He is like all people who lose precious things, be they sheep or coins. People are just happy to find what they thought they'd lost forever. Imagine God when one of his children finds their way back home as a uh, version of my, my friend and neighbor Marty Moore when she found her lost car keys. That would have been a, a good fourth parable, the one of the lost car keys. We all know that feeling of relief and can understand the father's mind. Of course, the father would have been overjoyed even more than the shepherd was overjoyed to find the lost sheep or the woman having ten silver coins was overjoyed to find the one she thought she had lost after searching the whole house was the father overjoyed to have his lost son back. That's the point of telling these three parables together so that we see how much more than a shepherd who lost a sheep or a woman who lost a coin is God overjoyed when an angry person finds his way back to joy, an ungrateful person to gratitude, or someone who hasn't been to church in 25 years walks through the doors of our sanctuary. Of course there's a fatted calf barbecue dinner. Of course the younger son gets a robe and a ring. God rejoices when what he thought was lost is found. From the three parables, we know that and we know it well. It's a well-known truth that the God of grace rejoices when one of his children finds their way back home for having feared they were lost, they are found. But what about us how do we feel when that person who hadn't been to church in 25 years finds their way back in and they sit right down in our pew that's what this parable of the prodigal son and his brother is really about It is directed not to the prodigal sons of the world, but to the elder brother. 
Notice those first verses we read. Those first verses set the stage for the three parables and especially for the third, which makes up our second scripture lesson. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Those lines set the context of this parable and who it's directed towards changes the meaning of it. While the parable of the prodigal son is certainly about God providing grace to the younger brother, that's just part of the story. The rest of the story is that this parable is being told by Jesus to a whole crowd of elder brothers. Do you know what it's like to be an elder brother? I am the oldest of three. There are enough years between the three of us that we all had different experiences being raised by George and Kathy Evans. I'll summarize just by saying that our parents wouldn't let me do anything that I wanted to do. <laughs> but they would let my little sister and brother do whatever they wanted to do. And I feel sure that every older sibling in the world feels exactly that way. Talking through this parable with friends over the last week, I've heard from older siblings whose parents are still paying a younger sibling's cell phone bill or car insurance. How old are those younger siblings? 25, 30, 35 years old. I tell you, I speak for all the elder siblings in the room when back in our day, it wasn't like that. We had to walk to school in the snow uphill both ways. Isn't that right? More than that, I'm sure that there's more than one older sibling in this room this morning who knows not only what it's like to be resentful because their younger siblings got something they didn't have or, or had it easier than they did, but because they were the ones home taking care of the farm or the family while their siblings were off at college or squandering the inheritance on dissolute living. There's a hurt heart and so many of us that resents those who got what we never had, be it a car or the freedom to leave home. There's some part of many of us that never felt appreciated and that resentment lives inside the most responsible among us. Isn't that right? We must be careful then, for that brokenness within us can take us away from home too. Notice that the eldest son in our parable is so hurt that he's on the outside of the party. So are we all call the younger son prodigal. By the end of the parable, it's the elder son who is the one who's lost. There's this great party going on, but he's on the outside of it looking in. That happens. The old story goes like this. Uh, an, an Episcopalian died, 
walked through the pearly gates and immediately ran into an old Presbyterian friend. The Presbyterian said to the Episcopalian, number one rule in, in heaven, don't speak too loudly. We all whisper up here. Now, why is that, the Episcopalian asked. It's because the, the Baptists are right over there over that hill, and they think they're the only ones who got here, <laughs> and we don't want to spoil it for them. <laughs> Wouldn't the Baptists have more fun if they came into the party? Wouldn't we all have more fun if we could let go of old hurts and old resentments? Well, of course we could, but think about what that would, would take. What does it take for the ones who made sacrifices to accept those who didn't have to make any sacrifices? What does it take for those who went without to embrace those who had more than enough? What does it take for the ones who stayed home to forgive the ones who left and wasted their inheritance? I tell you, it takes grace. There's a wonderful story about grace about the Karl Barth, one of the great theologians of the 20th century. Karl Barth studied the scriptures. He read everything and everyone from St. Paul to Augustine to Clement to Calvin. If there was something to know about Christianity, he knew it and he wrote these wonderful books which were enlightening if you worked hard enough to read them and understand what they meant. Well, the story goes that when Karl Barth died, he tried to take a wheelbarrow of theological books with him up into heaven. He thought that he would need them. Only St. Peter stopped him right at the gate and said, Dr. Bart, haven't you learned by now that this whole thing comes down to grace? So Dr. Bard left his wheelbarrow books outside the pearly gates and he went in to the party. If only the elder son could do the same. If only he could have remembered that in heaven there will only be one person who deserves to be there. The rest of us get in by riding on the Savior's coattails. So who are we to say to the Father? For all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command, yet, yet you have never given me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? Jesus knows that it is hard for us to accept how full of grace he is. So he spends so much time talking with us about it. He takes the time to tell us what the father said to the elder son, now lost in his own hurt and resentment. The father says, son, you're always with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was, was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This brother of yours is so much more than a lost coin or a lost sheep. And so he deserves even more rejoicing. Please come into the party. There is plenty of room for him and for you.
There is plenty of room. There is plenty of grace. There is plenty of love. Can't you see it? Our director of family ministry, Natalie Foster, has been teaching the children of this church new spiritual disciplines during the season of Lent. First, she taught them about fasting, then prayer. Last week was listening. This week is embracing simplicity. How do you embrace simplicity? You embrace simplicity when you recognize what you have. And so often, what we have is plenty. Our God provides plenty of grace. So why not share it? Why not share it even with the ones uh, we resent? Why not let it wash the resentment and old hurts right out of our hearts? For if there is a place set at the table for the prodigal, the sinner, or the tax collector, that just means that there is surely a place at the table set for us. I believe that's what the religious authorities of Jesus' day couldn't understand because that's what religious people never seem to understand. There were three groups of these religious people back in Jesus' day that we hear about from time to time. The scribes, the Sadducees, and the, the Pharisees. The scribes are easy to remember. They're just the scribes. They wrote stuff. The Sadducees and the Pharisees are harder to remember, but this is true, and this will help. The Sadducees didn't believe in an afterlife, so they were sad, you see. <laughs> the Pharisees loved the law, so they were fair, you see. <laughs> but here's the thing they could never quite understand. Our God isn't fair. Our God is grace. Remember that. Let it in and share it. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.